You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Second down and two, the handoff to Penny. At the 15, at the 10, at the 5. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. First and 10 at the Seattle 40. Play fake Stafford. Going to stop, going to look. Gets hit, goes down. Back in midfield. Getting to him in the backfield is Daryl Taylor. Presented by Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. Now, here's your host, Jen Mueller. Well, the Seahawks are back on the road this week, but before we get to that part, John Boyle, when we take a look at the NFC West standings, I see parody, and I love it coming off the Seahawks win in Detroit. It's great because, look, we know we'll get into it more, but the Seahawks team is not playing its best right now, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. They're going to feel like they could have definitely won the Atlanta game. You know, San Francisco game got a lot of hand, but... Long story short, they're not playing as well as they should be right now, and their record's maybe not as good as it could be, but doesn't really matter right now because they're right in the mix. Well, and I would say not playing as well as they could be on defense, I think offensively, what we have yeah. seen, it's really impressive. And it's not just one thing. It's balance, and it's across the board. There's some pretty impressive numbers, John. All over the place. I mean, obviously the numbers against Detroit were unreal, but it's other than, you know, obviously San Francisco's playing phenomenal on defense, and they met hard on, but the other three games – They've done a lot of things well, and to your point, it's not just, you know, if you'd asked me before the season if they're playing well on offense, why, I'd say they'd be running the crap out of the ball, and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett were doing really well, and they are, but what's, I think, surprised most people is Geno Smith is playing, like, legitimately one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. You know, obviously, it's only four games, so we shouldn't get too carried away, but statistically, he's just been phenomenal. And then the offensive line, there are so many question marks about that group. You've got two tackles two rookies starting to tackle. You've got a new center, and that group has been phenomenal in keeping Geno Smith clean, and then we saw the running game really get going as well this past week. Yeah, and, you know, the number of people that have talked to me about that Detroit game, and they kind of try to brush it off and blow it off as, yeah, but Detroit's defense isn't any good. And I will admit that Detroit is in the bottom of most of those statistical categories in defense. But look, when Seattle converts on 9 of 12 third downs in that game, and 7 of those are for 5 or fewer yards, this is not like Seattle was torching a, a secondary deep, right? What you were doing was methodically moving the ball down the field. I think that is a better measure than if everything had just been an explosive play. And granted, Seattle had great explosive plays, particularly from Rashad Penny. But to me, that just looks like an efficient offense, regardless of the defense that you're facing. Yeah, and I think that's where maybe we haven't been talking enough about Shane Waldron. Obviously, Geno Smith has been great, and he's getting a lot of attention deservedly, but Shane Waldron, we're starting to see what this offense, kind of what he envisions it as, and you know, I think they're throwing more in early downs more than people expected, but that is creating what you're talking about. We're seeing these you know, quick rollout, dump off to a tight end, quick pass to Tyler Lockett, where you might not get big chunks all the time, but if you're getting that seven, eight yards on first down, it makes everything so much easier. So yeah, Shane Waldron's doing a great job designing up the plays, getting good calls in. So I, I just, I like a lot about this offense and a lot of it does seem pretty sustainable. This doesn't seem like some fluky one player doing crazy things. Well, and that third down conversion percentage is third best in the league. They're at about 55% right now. It's been a long time since Seattle has been that efficient on third down. They have not converted more than 40% in a single season since 2015. I realize we are a long way away from being a complete season, but it's off to a good start. My question about Gino, John, is this. Is he more mobile than we give him credit for? 
Yeah, it's funny. He said that a few times. He was like, you know, I can run a little better than people think. And yeah, I mean, he's he's been a guy that has never really been known as a super mobile quarterback. He's, you know, been kind of seen more as a pocket guy other than maybe, you know, all the way back early in his career, his college days. And he's, you know, he's been in the league a long time. But yeah, he's he's not going to go out and be Lamar Jackson and rush for, you know, 100 and some yards and break off 50-yard runs. But he's plenty athletic to make plays when he needs them. He's got good vision. I mean, I really like... The runs, it wasn't just that he ran for 49 yards. They were in big moments. He understood the situation that third and seven, he has a long scramble because, as he'd said, you know, they were doubling the receivers and safeties were keeping an eye on the receivers. So there's just all this space or, you know, the touchdown run, obviously. But the other big one was it was, I think it was second and forever there at midfield. And he saw a big opening. He probably knew he couldn't get the first down there, but he did the job of getting them in field goal range, which gave him three points. Well, and to me, what you're saying is he's taking what the defense gives exactly. him because you could also argue that he's creating some of these explosive plays, right? Which is what's happening. When we saw Rashad Penny on Sunday, man, I, I was unsure about a couple of those play calls I'm going to be honest I think it's like the third and 16 and I'm watching this plant I'm like wait a minute what what's happening there the next thing you know Rashad's in the end zone and and I do think it kind of goes back to look you're not you're not making stuff up right like this is part of the game plan just just go with what's there yeah it's I mean he's doing a great job Pete, Pete Carroll talked a lot about that after the game his command of the offense and it's the throws are the most obvious thing you see. I mean, he's been so accurate, made so many great throws, but it's understanding situations, recognizing defenses, getting into the right checks. And in the case of the past week, doing it in a loud building where it's not easy to make those calls, but recognizing, okay, they're bringing this overload blitz from this side. If I hand it off to Rashad Penny this way, he's got room to run. And we can talk more about Rashad later, but the big playability out of him is just phenomenal. I mean, every time he gets a little bit of space, he can take it all the way to the house. In fact, let's talk a little bit more about him right now because what we saw from this offense, 555 yards total offense, rushing for 235. So we saw balance against the Lions. We also saw Rashad Penny go for 151. And as you mentioned, a lot of explosiveness from him. The power that he has, he, he runs right through tackles that, that normally guys have to even change course. He didn't have to change course half the time. When a guy reaches out and tries to get him, even whether it's the big guys or not, he just runs right through it, and it doesn't affect him. So he's, he seems to maximize his opportunity to get to top speed. And, uh, you know, you feel like when he busts it, it's gone, and you don't feel like anybody's going to get a shot at him. And uh, he's proven that, you know. And, um, so... Um, I, I think it's it, we underestimate how uh, powerful he is. You know, he's 235 or six or something like that. There aren't very many running backs like that, you know, and not very many that are that fast and that big. And so uh, it's that that combination really makes him hard to get down. And he just keeps all of a sudden he's just in the clear. It looks like there's nobody else on the field. It looks like when we used to recruit the old high school with the great running backs in high school, and there would be nobody on the film. The guy would break the line of scrimmage and be gone. And there's there's some plays like that. He's just out there and it's one guy or nobody, you know. I like that Pete made that comparison because I don't think people always, you, you see that in, in the moment, it's like, wow, great play, but you don't understand how rare that is in the NFL because defensive backs are so fast. There's guys whose job it is to keep that play from breaking out. You just don't see, you see plenty of long runs, but you don't see guys finish without getting caught. I went and looked this up. He's got five thirty touchdowns of 30 more yards going back to last season. Nobody else in the NFL has more than two. Yeah. Talking Derek Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Granted, those guys can break out big plays as well. But if you take it all the way back to 2019, he has seven. The only guy with more is Derrick Henry. He has eight, who has four times as many carries. So 
It's just he's an incredibly explosive player when he gets in space. And I, I liked he tweeted, he retweeted uh, his brother Elijah's little kid, um, his nephew, had this big, long touchdown run flag football on Saturday. And it was like what Pete Carroll saying. It's like nobody else is on the field. And then, you know, uncle goes out and does it the next day. Well, and you talk about his speed, looking at some next-gen stats from the weekend. Rashad Penny for the season, 12th on the list when it comes to fastest time with that 41-yard touchdown that we saw. Tariq Woolen, by comparison, on his pick six, second fastest time in the league, 21.5 miles an hour. When you and when Rashad Penny and Tariq Woolen are in the same conversation, that's speed. Yeah, I mean, that both of those guys are flying. This, it took me back. I saw somebody tweet that, that the fastest two ball carriers in the NFL this past weekend were those two. And I, I, I brought it back to in, in training camp. We kept hearing Pete Carroll say, this, this is the fastest team we've had. And sure enough, they got guys flying. With, with Going to Tariq for a second – I, I feel like we still haven't seen him run as fastest yet. I mean, you look at that interception return, it, he doesn't look like he's hitting full speed yet, no, and he's still no. legitimately one of the fastest guys in the NFL. That is true. It was funny to talk to him after the game. You and I both kind of pointed <laughs> this out when I asked him, hey, at what point did you know that you were in the clear? When it was just me and Jared Goff. <laughs> that is <laughs> Such not a, a knock line. on Jared Goff, but it is. That's just how, that's how just defensive how players goes. look at quarterbacks. Yeah, exactly. That was not a Goff-specific knock. No. When you take a look, though, at this Saints defense, they have allowed uh, an average of about 124 yards a game. But if you go game by game, it's really skewed by week one. Atlanta ran all over this Saints defense. In the three weeks since then, they're allowing just under 100 yards average per game. So I'm not really sure what this means yet for Rashad because the – they have a they have a strong defense, right? Those linebackers are fast. Yeah, I mean that the they've changed, you know, from year to year and nothing's going to be exactly the same, but a lot of the personnel is still there and they've made it real tough on the Seahawks, including last year when Geno Smith started against them in Seattle. Granted the weather was awful that day, but still it's uh They've made things tough on the Seahawks over the years. Well, five sacks last year against Geno, and I was actually going to point out this might be kind of a good comparison, right? Because Geno did start that game. I believe it was his third start after Russ's injury last year. They were close. It was a 13-10 game. There were some self-inflicted wounds by the Seahawks on that one, but I think there's going to be a good point of comparison here Mm -hmm. uh, in from last year to this year, but the offense – catered now to Geno Smith. This should look different. For sure. And he was kept clean. I also went to look at sack numbers for this year. Geno, not sacked last week in Detroit. Do you know that he is tied for the fewest sacks in the league? I knew it was right down near the bottom of total sacks. I did not know it was tied for the fewest. So, he, yeah, I mean, some of that's on him. He's done a great job of getting the ball out. But, again, we got to give a lot of credit to those guys up front especially when you're talking rookie tackles. That's, you know, this lot was made this early in the season. I think it's the third time since the merger in 1970 that a team has started rookies at both tackle spots. And they obviously like those guys, but you worry about it. And they've they've been great out there, as Pete Carroll said on Wednesday. They're going to get tested. There's some good edge rushers coming up this weekend. Yeah, Geno Smith, just to give you the numbers, six sacks, has been sacked six times is how I should phrase that one. Tied for fewest in the league. Carson Wentz is at the top of that list, 17. By comparison, Russell Wilson has been sacked 12 times. 
It is now time to flip the script and take a look at the other side of the ball. John, I've kind of put this one off because the numbers are not what we expect. We don't know who the Saints are going to start at quarterback, but quite honestly, it does not matter. The emphasis is on this defense. And for Pete Carroll, getting the pass rush going. We're just going to improve it some stuff. It's it's the bulk of the plays are, are handled well. The bulk of the fits are handled well. Um, we've been suspect about our, the the explosive plays on us, you know, and that they've been because of a miss a misplay, a misread, or a missed tackle. Um, and I just think that stuff's going to go away. I think we're going to we're going to get it done, and we're going to be cleaner and sharper and more consistent when we all feel where everybody is and. and We'll max max out the opportunities better than we are right now. So, uh, I'm you know I, I'm really not pleased at all with where we are. We shouldn't be in this spot right now. We should be off to a better start than this. But you can see the potential, and so we have to just keep fighting it and, and making sure that we're on it, and and and, uh, and just minimize the, the issues that are, that have been popping up. Yeah, look, I think you know if we're all being honest with ourselves, we knew there'd be some growing pains. Yeah. You're you're changing the the scheme quite a bit. You bring in new coaches, a lot of different personnel, but as you know, I think it was Clint Hurt said this yesterday, like it's, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically like there can be some growing pains, but you can't give a 45 points because of those growing pains. So it's got to get better. They got to get the big plays out of the game. I think we'll touch on this a little more later. The penalties have been an issue too. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, they still have plenty of time to get better and it's, you know, it, it hasn't put them in a huge hole at two and two, but this is something that, you know, there's just a lot of issues they got to clean up. And to your point about, you know, the quarterback and who's injured, Michael Thomas, we don't know about. We were talking about last week, all the weapons Detroit was missing, and they still went out and put up huge numbers. So I don't think right now the time is to worry about who's out there for New Orleans. No, not when a defense is averaging 428 yards a game. That is just a number. It's just, Pete Carroll just can't have it. The fact that he can remain so calm is somewhat impressive to me because I know that it is killing him. Last week, really good on third down. That was a point of emphasis, but explosive plays. I mean, they they just kill you. And there was explosive plays that shouldn't happen and one of the things Pete said was you have to have situational awareness with that tackling. Yeah, you can't have a, a safety flailing, diving at a guy in the open field if he's the last line of defense. you got to you know, stay on your feet, make sure that the guy's not getting by you, and if, if anything, slowing him down so someone else can catch up. But, yeah, I mean, they got two, three and outs to start the game. We're thinking, all right, this defense is going. Unfortunately, that was followed by a fake punt and by a fumbled punt, so those three and outs – they were still scoring points afterwards, but the defense actually looked good early on. You get the pick six. They were doing some things well. It just went south on them in a hurry in the second half, and so many big plays were, to your point, it's guys got to, you know, it's okay if a guy occasionally gets a 20-yard catch or a 15-yard run. It's when those turn into a 51-yard touchdown, an 81-yard catch and run by a tight end. Like, you just can't have that in your game. Well, and some of this is trying to figure out the right mix of players. There's Mm -hmm. competition at all spots in the field. We saw Ryan Neal get more snaps last week than we had in previous weeks, and it sounds like there's going to be a little more Ryan Neal sightings. He deserves to play more. He's doing well, and he's officially back. Uh, No, he's he's a little sore today, but um, he's officially back, you know, and and, – um, I really like him on the field. And whenever he's played for us, he's always been active and been kind of in the midst of the action and all that. So uh, he had a couple of big plays down by the goal line, you know, that, that got away that uh, he could have won, you know, that would have been really great wins for us. Uh, but he'll, he'll make those plays, you know. He was close enough to do that. So I, I really like what he brings. So he'll, he will be playing involved more. It's worth noting that answer was not just, uh, you know, how's Ryan Neal doing? The question was, could he start? And then Pete Carroll replied, he'll play more. So, look, 
We'll see what happens this week. There maybe there's some competition going on, but Pete Carroll's probably not going to show his hand too early, but it sounds like there's a real competition there for that starting job. And either way, you know, there's ways to get him on the field. We saw they can play some dime. They can do those three safety looks where you take a linebacker off the field. But they like what – I mean, he started nine games for Jamal Adams the last couple of years, played really well. They like who he is. He had that ankle injury that slowed him down, but he's back and fully healthy, had a few weeks under his belt. So I think we'll see, as Pete Carroll said, quite a bit more of him one way or another. Yeah, Ryan Neal on the field for 36 snaps. That was 49% of those defensive plays. And no pressure, but Alvin Kamara could be back on the field this week. In the season, he has not yet found the end zone. He's been dealing with a rib injury. But, John, the numbers against the Seahawks, they're not pretty. And last year... He went for 179 yards from scrimmage. Yeah. If, if I just gave you his rushing numbers, you'd say, hey, the CX have done a really good job against him. He, he carried 20 times for 51 yards last year, and you're thinking, hey, you're bottling up a great running back. You slide over in the stat column a little bit, though, and you see 10 catches for 128 yards and a touchdown. Previous meeting, nine catches, 92 yards and a touchdown in 2019. So he has given all sorts of trouble as a pass catcher. He said, you know, he said he's pl- planning on playing. He thinks he's back from that injury. So... That's going to be, you know, priority number one, I think, for this defense is just slowing him down, containing him, not giving up those explosives. Well, and it goes back to something that you said earlier. Get off the field when you have a chance. Do not hurt yourself with penalties. It is the same thing that the Saints are preaching. Both teams have over 30 penalties this year in really inopportune times. I know there's no good time to get a penalty, but when you've got third down and you're getting ready to get off the field, you have got to be more disciplined than that. That's another area that Pete Carroll wants to see improvement in. One of the areas that we really need to improve on is we got to get rid of these penalties. We've got 10 penalties on, on a few guys, three guys, all in coverage, you know, coverage issues. And, and uh, we can fix those. You know, those are, it's not like you don't have to be faster or stronger. And you can fix those. I want those for, out of our game. And, and then let's, let's take those, those 10 plays out of, those are all, they turn into explosive plays that don't really show up in the stats and all that. I think that's a, a major area of focus for us to, to get better. I found it interesting that quote we just heard. No one asked about penalties. He wasn't talking about penalties. He was talking about, I think it was maybe the pass rush. He was talking about something else on defense. Another question started, and he politely cut that question off and went, oh, by the way. So you know this is on Pete Carroll's mind when he's looking for a reason to call it out in a press conference. And yeah, it's been, you know, the penalty numbers, it's one thing to have 10 penalties when it's an occasional five yarder here and there, but it's what you said, those drive extending ones, those big, you know, if you get a pass interference on a 30-yard pass, it's a 30-yard penalty. It's a huge play. So he pointed out the three guys. I think we all know, you know, who the guilty culprits are. It's the two rookie corners. It's Mike Jackson, who three of your least experienced guys on the field. So maybe that's going to happen. But to, to Pete Carroll's point later in that press conference, he talked about these guys aren't getting torched and grabbing guys because they have to to save a touchdown. These are very avoidable penalties, and he's confident they're going to clean it up. And, you know, they're all they're all covering guys great. So maybe just get a little less physical, and, and I think it could turn around quickly. Well, it is part of the growing pains, but it is also something that by the time you get to this point in the season, you need to see turned around. And it's going to be interesting to see the types of legs that the Saints have this week. And I say this because of the travel schedule that they chose to embark on. Before we get to that, here is a word from our presenting sponsor. The best stories aren't the ones you're told. They're the ones you live. Meeting people in person. Facing challenges face-to-face. Getting out of your hometown and your comfort zone. Delta knows how important it is to see a different point of view from a different point of view. So for those who want their own story to tell, Delta Airlines has a world full of places to start. 
Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. It is traditional in the NFL that if you play an international game, John, that you would take your bye the following week. We saw it when the Seahawks went to London. It is how the schedule lines up this week when we come back from Munich. The Saints had that option. They actually asked the NFL if they could have their bye later in the season. I think this is a really curious choice. Yeah, I mean, I understand it because, I mean, it's kind of an unfortunate situation if the league comes to you and says you're playing in London in week four. If you choose your bye then, that's a week five bye, and that's pretty darn early, especially in a 17-game season. You're playing, you know, a few months in a row without a bye after that. So I can see where they did it. You know, it's not quite as long a trip for them as it is for us, being where New Orleans is located. So it's maybe they see it as a little more doable. To me, though, what's most interesting if you're going to do that is they also made the choice to go early and do the whole week there. So they're full, you know, some teams do that in and out really quick. You never fully adjust your body clock. They went for the full week. They were fully on, you know, the London time there for by the time they left that trip. So they're, they're really having to readjust their body clocks and just deal with the, the travel and all that. So, you know, obviously that decision they made and they feel confident about it, but it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how they come out and if that affects them at all. Yeah, 4,629 airline miles between New Orleans and London. By comparison, 2,086 miles between Seattle and New Orleans this week. It's one of the reasons why when Pete Carroll was asked, could you imagine this challenge? He very quickly said yes. It's an outstanding challenge, you know, um, just with all that goes on um, in a game like it was, too. Um, you know, but there, we go back and forth almost that far sometimes, you know, like, like we're doing it, you know. So um, that might have been what some of the thinking was, you know, send, send your opponent back and forth too a couple times and see, see how that works. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'd be willing to bet flying from Seattle to Detroit to Seattle to New Orleans back and forth to all those trips. It's going to be more travel over a two-week span than what New Orleans does. So, yeah, I mean, I, I have no idea what kind of say. I know teams are given the option if they're going to, to London to say, I want to have my buy or not. But I don't know if they're given the option to say, hey, send a West Coast team out if we do play at home. Because if they do, maybe that's New Orleans looking as, eh, that's kind of equalized if Seattle's got to come all the way out here. So, uh, But one thing we do know, the early game's not going to be a problem for the Seahawks. That, that last oh. win last week, 14 of 15 since 2018, the Seahawks have won in that 10 a.m. slot. Well, yes, I do like that. I am not going to like that after a night on Bourbon Street. I'm just kidding. There's not going to be a night no, on Bourbon Street. No, we There's don't going go to be out. gumbo no. consumed, and then I'm going back to my hotel room. What, that's it. Where, what kind of gumbo are you going to get? Where are you going? Ooh, that's you a got a plan yet? I've got, you know what? I actually might try to hit two spots. I, I, I'm trying to decide if I want to share my favorite on here, because if any Seahawks fans are going, I'd love for them to try it, but I also don't want it to be crowded when I show up. Ah, yes. But I'm a, you know what? I, I feel like sharing. Oh, what you got? Coop's Place. Okay. It's kind of a divey hole in the wall. But Others is that way, it's too. It's the rabbit... Oh, no, we said gumbo. The rabbit jambalaya. Oh. So fantastic. And you can actually choose fried chicken as a side. So you get your plate of jambalaya and then a couple chicken legs. It's so good. I am more of an etouffee person myself. I was actually Love born it. in Louisiana. My mother learned how to cook Cajun food. I am very grateful for that. So we had etouffee and jambalaya and uh, gumbo quite a bit growing up. So I'm going to go hit a couple of good spots. I will uh, gain about 10 pounds, try to run it off on the sidelines on Sunday. <laughs> That'll be great. And it will be all smiles if the Seahawks can come away with a win, push their record over 500. John, the two things that you need to see for a Seahawks win are? First one, we just talked about Alvin Kamara just 
don't let him go off again. Keep him, you know, he's going to get some yardage. He's going to get his touches, but maybe keep him, you know, somewhere under like 120 total yards. I, I could live with that. The other one is just getting rid of the self-inflicted errors, whether it's the turnovers. We saw the fumble, you know, Geno Smith's been great for the most part. The ball carriers have, but we've seen a muffed punt. We've seen the fumble that Tyler Lockett had on special teams. Get those out of your game and the big penalties. You're going to have some, but just all those self-inflicted errors where you have the huge penalty or the turnover. Cause I, I think this team is really good enough to hang with anybody. We've seen it, but they can't get in their own way, especially on the road against a good team. I'm going to say, get the pass rush going. Yeah. Especially if LJ Collier can come in, he gives you a fresh set of legs. You get that rotation going again. You got to get at least seven QB hits. And I'm going to say two sacks on that one. There, there shouldn't be any reason why you can't get to the quarterback. And I'd like to see Seattle score early. Seattle has already gotten 61 first half points. The saints, by the way, did not have a first down in the first quarter last week. They've scored just 17 first half points. So jump out to an early lead make that just a little bit easier on everyone that's our game plan for sunday's game against the saints we'll be back with you next week to see how it all played out thanks for listening